Shut up and sit down. All right, it's time for another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Today's episode may be slightly polarizing. Um, we're going to be talking sense. So the next few podcasts, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about tips, tricks, tactics, um, you know, to try and get you on the best opportunity to connect with a good deer this year, um, you know, whatever it is that you're chasing. Um, you know, we're trying to, to talk to guys that are thinking outside of the box, using different things, different tricks, different tactics. And, um, you know, one of the things that I use in the pre-rut and rut is um, sense. So, I mean, I, I always have, um, even being a novice, poor hunter, uh, however you want to say it, um, it's something that's allowed me to see a lot more deer and presented me with a lot more opportunities. So, um, uh, wanted to talk to, uh, someone who has, uh, you know, effectively used sense, you know, throughout their whole lifetime and, and made a, a business out of it. So we're going to be talking to Josh Smith from, uh, wild carrot, um, today. So, um, real, real quick, just want to get through some of the housekeeping type stuff. Um, you know, everything is, is really taken off here. Temps in Michigan are, are a lot cooler right now. And, uh, the deer seem to be moving. Two of our Patreons, um, have put down deer, Mark Slagle. I posted that picture and I'll have another picture going up. Colin Pelgrin down in Louisiana just smacked a monster. Um, really cool looking deer. Uh, I'd be real curious to see how, what the, the deer ages and how it scores. It's a, it's a nice one. And then, you know, our, my good friend, Eric, um, had a public land, um, water access deer. Um, you know, it's just really cool. This is the best time of year. And, um, you know, so it's, it's just really exciting here, uh, the, getting into the rut, getting into this and getting excited to, you know, hear about all these stories, these guys shooting these deer and, you know, getting excited to get out there and get in the woods and, and, you know, the rut, this is, the, this is our Christmas. So, what a great time. But I want to just say, um, you know, give a shout out to our latest Patreon and I'm going to murder his name. Um, Jessic Magazio, uh, listening and supporting us through Patreon all the way from Switzerland. And, you know, I can't get, a Bill Smith or a Rob Jones. Um, everybody's got these crazy names. So, um, if you're a Bill Smith or a Rob Jones, please, uh, check out our Patreon account and, uh, you know, make it easy on me. That would really be appreciated for sure. Um, you know, we do quarterly giveaways, uh, this quarter that we're, we're coming up on here, uh, for the end of the year is going to be giving away a saddle setup. Um, you know, Patreon helps us to be able to do hunts, to keep the show going, to be able to, you know, start creating more video type content and things like that. Um, you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash born chronicles podcast, or you can check out a link on our, on our website. Um, but if that's not for you, you just like listening along and you pick and choose your episodes and you know, you, you like what we're doing. That's awesome. You could really help us out by leaving a review. Um, even just clicking that five star button. Um, you know, we got, tons and tons of new listeners, tons and tons of downloads, and all of those likes, reviews, um, you know, five-star reviews, or actually writing out a review, all of that helps us in whatever algorithm it is so that we get to be in front of more and more people. And, uh, you know, if you don't got time for that, it's not 
not your bag, no problem either. You know, just tell somebody about the podcast if you like this one, if you liked one of the other ones, if you didn't like it. Um, you know, all publicity is good publicity. So, you know, you know, uh, tell somebody that we suck. Let them make the decision for themselves. But at least we'll get uh, somebody else to be listening. But you know, for every one of you out there, we appreciate everybody that listens, everybody that follows along. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback. If there's something you want to hear about, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And um, this should be a good one. Good luck this season, man. It's getting exciting. So, uh, without further ado, enjoy the episode. <laughs> Hey everybody, Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. John is still on his vacation uh, at the time of this recording. Frank's in the woods trying to shoot a mutant. And uh, I just got done cutting up the rest of the hindquarters of my deer. So uh, it's it's just me. Um, and we're sitting here to, uh, tonight. We're going to talk to Josh with uh, Wild Carrot, uh, Sense and Attractants. And, um, you know, we don't do a lot of product placement or or product stuff on this podcast just because there's so many people that just either want to be on a podcast to sell you something or you know it's not something that we believe in or something that we would use or 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 anything like that um and so this is kind of one where you know i don't know if josh didn't want to be on a podcast or or anything like that but i've been trying to get him on the podcast ever since i met him last year at ata because you know, I, I killed my buck last year using wild carrot sense just as a a coincidence. And then we run into him and he doesn't have a booth or anything like that. He's just got a backpack full of stuff. And he goes, well, here you guys go. Here's some, here's some samples and some hats and, and stuff like that. And then we were uh, fortunate enough to have some conversation and some beers. And, um, and so we got him on the line here tonight. So how you doing tonight, Josh? I'm doing well, Adam. How you doing? You know, I'm I'm doing good. Got a, a deer in the freezer and uh, all these ideas of recipes and things like that, and kind of just waiting on the text from Frank to say he shot one, and then then we're gonna have some beers. So <laughs> it's just uh, Heck yeah, yeah. It's the, hard to complain when you just broke the ice, man. Right? Yeah. And this, let's <laughs> say this this early in the season, and you know we're headed to Missouri. Um, you know, for the rut, you know, for first week in November. So, uh, it'll allow me some time to, you know, get some stuff done around the house and appease the wife and, uh, buy myself a little bit more breathing room come, uh, come November. So that'll be good. <laughs> well, that's mandatory, man. That's a good investment. <laughs> I know how that goes. I've got, uh, four little ones of my own and, and our most recent was born in mid November. So, that's a, a struggle that I'm going to be battling here in the next few weeks for sure. <laughs> yeah, my wife's birthday is November 8th. Last year was the Ooh. first year I was home for her birthday in like six or seven years. So <laughs> she's, well, you screwed yourself. Then. She's she's pretty understanding. <laughs> well, her dad is Frank, so he oh she, I got you. She yeah. kind of knows what what comes along with it. Sure. She, she's yeah. told me multiple times. Now, don't just tell me that you, you killed a deer for me on my birthday. That I only worked when I was six. Right. <laughs> So, so it'll only work for so long if you've got, uh, got a birthday in November, just a little pro tip, but, um, gotcha, whatever it takes. <laughs> so, um, 
give us a little bit about a background and, and wild carrot and you know <laughs> I, I asked you this at uh, at ATA but like in the naming and and, and all of that and how do you come to be a, a urine peddler I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I uh, certainly never uh, you know if you would have asked me 10 years ago if I'd be sitting here talking to you about deer pee I'd have, I'd have laughed and said heck no but uh, <clears throat> now just kind of uh, you know the way life goes its course um, I grew up hunting I actually grew up in Michigan um, near Hastings uh, hunted Barry County quite a lot um, uh, with my dad and my grandpa and my dad has always been a kind of a hardcore scent guy cutting bladders and tarsals and uh, keeping them fresh and using them for scent in that in that regard um, never was much for anything store-bought you know tried a lot of different things and never had uh, any consistent luck you know things are uh, will happen and work from time to time and then not work from time to time even the best products are that way but uh, just seemed like everything available at that time, and this was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, was pretty wildly inconsistent, um, aside from what he could harvest fresh. So he started doing that at a young age, and then uh, just kind of passed that on to me, um, you know, the, the methods that he used and, and the way that he went about using scent uh, to his advantage and to gain a little bit of an edge. Um, and just kind of happenstance uh decided to try to make some sort of package just for our use that could hold those tarsals uh and that fresh urine and keep it that way as long as possible um and we ended up using uh actually what was a, a protein pouch you know like the flexible packaging that protein powder comes in okay like yeah. whey protein uh, -huh. uh he cut some of that up um and got a heat sealer and just made our own little packs out of basically what is like a mylar type of material. Um, and it was very effective at keeping it fresh. It, it allowed no light transmission, which is key. Um, and it kept out the oxygen, the aluminum in that packaging, um, that thin layer of aluminum did a great job of keeping out the oxygen as well. So it did a really good job of keeping things fresh. And, and uh, <clears throat> we've always hunted with friends, you know, uh, had a, a lot of private land, family land, and, and friends who had land in Michigan. And so we hunted with a lot of different people, a lot of different friends. And, and he you know, got to passing that stuff around, and, and everybody was really liking it. So uh, fast forward a little bit, um, living in Tennessee now, um, still doing the same thing, you know, and, and, and uh, using those pouches and you know, at the recommendation of several people, finally decided to see what we could do to kind of mass produce it. And at that point, not even for sale, just for basically passing out to the people we hunt with. Um, and it just sort of evolved from there. We ended up, you know, not what I would say perfecting the package and uh, ended up getting a patent for it, which took a few years, but got that done. And then we uh, started working with a marketing company out of Nashville, um, just trying to come up with a name for our product and kind of imagery, logo type of thing. And they presented us, we presented them with some options and they presented us with some options and we, uh, we liked what they chose. We liked Wild Carrot um, because it 
it kind of is, uh, it symbolizes a goal, you know, kind of like a carrot on a stick, like in the old Bug Bunny cartoons and <laughs> sure. see him luring, it, luring him out, you know, Elmer Fudd luring him out with a carrot on a stick. And that kind of was where it spawned. Um, and it, we liked it because we've always been into hunting because it's something fun we did with family and friends. And it was never a competitive type of thing. And it was always enjoyable time, uh, lighthearted atmosphere. And that's kind of what we wanted to bring to the industry if we were going to come to the industry. So that's, uh, in short, how we came to be. And so from that, okay, so you've got the the packaging. What? Where do you go from there? Because I would imagine well, before you were, these were deer you were shooting and all of your buddies and whatnot, and you were harvesting it yourself. Yeah. Yep. Now what? You got you got this what? excellent package. Sure. Sure. Yep. We got we we made a ton of them and then we had to fill them. <laughs> <laughs> so what we did basically was order bulk urines from uh, every high grade deer farm we could find, and just testing them to see which ones were of the highest quality and which ones we could keep fresh the longest um, and narrowed it down eventually to a singular farm in Pennsylvania. And that's where we source all of our urine from. We actually have a, a another farm that we have a great relationship with. Uh, should any issues arise with CWD and have a, an impact on a farm, on the farm we use in Pennsylvania, we have a backup plan. But uh, we hope that that's not the case we have a great relationship with the farm we use and we use it for a long time and so cwd has to have really i mean it, it's really polarizing um you know it's a uh, whitetail hunting buzzword it's uh, it's this big farce it's the next plague you know depending on wherever you're at in the politics or you know if it's affected your deer hunting ability to bait or this or that um how has it affected your industry and you know what's kind of your um we'll say more educated than the layman um opinion or takeaway for, uh, on, on the whole cwd thing well i usually find with most things uh when you have something that's polarizing as cwd is the truth generally lies somewhere in the middle and with CWD, I don't think it's any different. I think that it is a, it's an obvious health issue with deer um, that no one's really certain of where it came from, uh, what we're going to do about it, how we can neutralize it, if we can neutralize it, and what the long-term effects will be. Uh, there are plenty of scientific studies that uh, are claiming this and that, and you can find just as many claiming the opposite. So it's kind of hard to sift through and find the truth if you're just an outsider looking in. Um, but personally, I, I just, you know, coming into the industry at the time we did uh, is definitely a risk. You know, CWD is obviously a prevalent talking point. Um, you know, even in our home state, they just ban the use of natural urines uh, for like a trial year. Um, but I don't, really see 
much effect on sales. You know, if you go down to the local Walmart, it's packed full of every kind of scent you can imagine and every, you know, corn and all that. And we can't bait. We can't, you know, it's, <laughs> sales are, it's, I don't know who's buying and I don't know who's using it, but they are. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it's, we haven't really, we don't have numbers from pre CWD scare to compare to. But as far as our business, it's been growing significantly in the last, in the last three years since we launched. Okay. And so you don't really, um, I guess you just came in at a time when that's the way that you had to approach it with yeah. all the rules regarding CWD. And you, if you yeah. wanted to be part of the game, you just had to play by their rules. Exactly. We play the hand we were dealt. And the first thing we did was get the ATA certification. Um, our farm has the ATA certification, so all of our products are certified by the ATA to be CWD free. Uh, the deer are uh, health inspected regularly, so uh, we combat any issues with that. Um, but we are kind of we're kind of in a unique position because we didn't get into the industry looking to make a million. We loved to hunt and had a product that people really enjoyed using so we thought why not and we have day jobs we still work them so the wild carrot thing is is kind of a fun adventure for us uh, we take it seriously but it's a lot of fun and you know we just pray that it goes the way we want it to go and if it doesn't then that's the way it is but uh, it's been it's been successful so far and, and we've enjoyed it Awesome. So now we've got through kind of the the nuts and bolts of it. Let's get to the the fun stuff here, right? The, the stuff that guys want to hear about. You know, we're trying to do, um, you know, as we're into the season, and and um, you know, we've got listeners all over the country, and you know, guys in Florida have two, three, you know, ruts. You know, not just uh, pre-rut and post-rut. You know, they depending on where they're at geographically, ruts are hitting at, at different times and, and different things are going on. Um, you know, so how do you see people typically using scents? Because I know we had talked about this last year. Um, and then how how could they maybe be a little bit more effective in using them, you know, during different types of, of phases of the rut, I guess? Sure, sure. Well, I'll go ahead and explain what we offer and then we'll go from there sure uh we have um, our packaging basically is our their single use tear open packs if you think of like a single cigar pack you'd see at the gas station that come in a flexible foil package it's very similar to that and i know you're familiar with it but a lot of your listeners probably aren't mm-hmm. um, and there's a wick that's pre-moistened with the urine inside that's attached to the top of that package so that when you tear it open your drag rag comes out and it's pre-soaked um and in our they they come in 10 packs and in our 10 packs we include a a drag reel that has a clip on it to clip that lure to and it extends out a couple feet so you can zip tie that reel to your boot with the included zip ties and then you have the ability to make your scent trail wherever you need and then you can unclip that thing and hang it up over mock scrape or near your stand where you have a good shooting window Um, so that's kind of how we use them and we offer those in the only laboratory certified doe esters on the market. Uh, we have Dominant Buck, which is 
uh, dominant buck urine with a tarsal gland extract. Uh, we have regular buck urine and regular doe urine. Um, we also offer a synthetic that we've seen some great success with uh, for those who are in no urine zones. Um, that's one of our offerings for them. And uh, as far as timing of season, you know, uh, folks use them as a cover. Folks use them as an attractant. Uh, generally, we like to use the doe or buck urine as a cover in early season. They're very effective. They kind of act as a calming scent you know, to cover up whatever odor you may have and to reassure the deer that there's fresh traffic in the area. So it kind of keeps them in a calm state. Uh, a lot of guys like to use that dominant buck scent early. Uh, the theory there is that it holds does. Uh, when you hold does and the pre-rut starts, you're going to have bucks. So uh, that's one effective way of using the dominant buck. Obviously, uh, the most popular way to use the dominant buck is during the rut uh, to try and lure in that challenger. Um, and we've seen great results with that as well. Uh, I think everybody's probably familiar with the uses of the doe and estrus. Um, you know, from pre-rut, rut, post-rut, it's very effective at, at bringing in bucks. It's, uh, you know, we've got tons of trail cam footage and, a lot of folks out there have supplied us with pictures and videos, uh, just awesome stuff of, of deer coming into the lures, and, and the efficacy kind of speaks for itself. So um, that's the basics of kind of how those scents are used at what time of year. Yeah, so real quick for anybody that isn't familiar with uh, you know my hunt last year, you know I shot a hundred inch. 10 point here in Michigan, which is a great deer, three and a half year old deer. And, um, I was, I'd killed a buck earlier in the, in the year using, uh, some other scent. I don't know. I couldn't tell you what it is. Um, just something that, that I had, I use scent, um, in the rut quite often. And, um, then I was, I got home. Uh, from the UP because like I said I'd been home for my wife's birthday this year or last year and I was rustling through my hunting totes and I found this this uh, sample pack or something of the these wild carrot scents from the Bowhunter Box Club they had come in there and they just got shuffled in my my tote so I grabbed you know two or three of them whatever it was and put them in my my pack while well, I got out to my stand and uh, I was really not feeling it. It was, it was raining. It was, or it was just snowing. It was really, really wet. And um, it was daylight by the time I got set up and there was a, another guy's tree stand way behind me where I had 80 yards behind me were, you know, over a mile back in here. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put out some of these, one of these scents, and I pulled them out, and there was a dominant buck in the doe estrus, and I was like, well, I don't know when else I would use them. I mean, this seems like, you know, the time that I would use both of them. So I put them both out, hung them about 10 feet apart, and had a spike come by me. I grunted at him a couple times, and two minutes later, that 10-point walked on a line right to the sound of that grunt, and then turned and made a beeline for where those wicks were hanging and uh he got an arrow about 14 yards from my tree and he turned around and went 50 yards and fell over 
So, um, <laughs> for the for the wild carrot stuff, I mean, like I said, we don't just say, oh, "Okay, we got to have a scent guy on here." So we're gonna we're gonna say, "Oh, we met that guy at ATA. He was probably a good, uh, you know, good guy to talk to." Um, you know, that's a product that I've used. I've used it once. And it's kind of like the broadhead that I'm shooting. Like if I was the case study, it's the best <laughs> yeah. scent in the world. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's a hundred percent effective. Um, right. <laughs> so, um, that's awesome. so I don't know if that's the, you know, the way that you would recommend using them, um, you know, in unison like that or, um, well, personally, I actually, I do that quite frequently. Uh, a lot of the time when I make my scent trail, if it's late October to mid-November or a little bit later, I'll uh, double up that dominant buck and the doe and estrus on the drag and hang them. So I'll drag it in to kind of simulate a chase as far as the scent trail and then hang that, you know, within shooting distance of my stand upwind and uh, <clears throat> upwind of me and downwind of where I'm expecting deer travel. Uh, and they're effective, man. They really are. I, I uh, killed my largest buck to date um, on a doe and estrus, just nose to the ground, coming right in on my scent trail. And that was a nice 10-point I shot in Kentucky. No, so, yeah, man. I don't what? know. Um, you know, th th this is my um, – I had an experience when I was in Ohio. And, um, we were, I think we were, we were tracking a buck that, um, one of the guys that was with us had hit and we were walking down these train tracks and, uh, some deer had gone across right in front of us. And, th and this is in the dark. And then it was like, we were walking into a fog of like doe piss, like estrus, like it was like a cloud. Huh. And. It was just like one of those like eye-opening type moments, you know, because I would say for most guys or, or generally speaking, um, if you've got a, a buck chasing a doe out in front of you or, you know, you're hunting that time of year when it's the rut and there's chasing and stuff going on, you generally aren't shooting the doe. So I think a lot of people know kind of like the the smell of a running buck, you know, they've killed a buck that was chasing a doe or a, was breeding a doe or, or something like that. But generally when they're, when they have that chase, it's, you know, somewhere out in front of you. And then by the time you get up there, like the scent has dissipated or something. Sure. But I can tell you it was, it was like, it was on us. It was, there was like, it was like a fog of, of estrus. And, uh, it, it really kind of, um, opened my eyes to see like, you know, when that's going on, when they're chasing, like how, why all those bucks are able to, to smell it. I mean, it doesn't t take like a, you know, they've got these great noses and they can probably smell that from a long ways away. But I mean, when you're right in the thick of it, it was like, like you could cut it with a knife. Right. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are probably more familiar with that dominant buck, like you said. Somebody who shoots a ruddy buck, throw him in the back of a blazer and head home, and you just smell it the whole way. That tarsal gland, you know, just 
rank. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the asterisk doe is very similar. They have a very powerful scent, and asterisk doe urine has uh, has been identified with over a hundred different substances in that urine. You know, pheromones being just one of those things. Um, and there are some strong scents in there that that a buck, like you said, can smell a long ways off. And occasionally, uh, even a human nose can pick up on those if you're close enough, or if you're there recent enough, you can you can smell if you have a keen sense of smell when those deer travel through. It's similar to elk. You know, a lot of Western hunters will mm-hmm. tell you, and anybody anybody who's elk hunted really and been close to a, to a bull, ruddy bull, you can smell that son of a gun. And and it's it's similar, you know. Their and their sense of smell is obviously much more intense than ours. Yeah, for us, elk was like like cattle. You know, it was it was real easy, you know, to tell. And it, you know, when listening to podcasts and we were preparing for our hunt, going out there, you know, they said, "Oh, if you're if you're close, you'll smell them." And it's yeah. like it, that's exactly what it is. It's like being in a cow pasture, right? And uh, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, so when you're coming up with these scents and you're, you know, so you said you're, you're sourcing them and you were testing all of these different urines from here, there and everywhere. What, what sets them apart or makes, you know, one different than the other wild carrot tinks, still steaming, you know, golden estrus, you know, if, if, if you have the ability to, to buy them from here, from there, from everywhere. How is it not just the same stuff rebottled or rebranded? Sure, that's a good question. It really starts at the collection. I mean, it, everything hinges on the collection. If your collection facility is tainted, if it's dirty, if it's not kept up and clean, if you have uh, fecal contamination, it can really degrade that urine quickly. Um, how they handle the urine when it's collected is key. Um, our farm does a great job with that. They have food-grade stainless collection facility that they power wash regularly, daily. And the collection itself um, is in a multi-level barn. And these deer come in and out of the barn at their own leisure. They know that there's food in there, so it's not like they're harassed and, and corralled. Uh, they go in and out when they're ready. Uh, the deer are separated, obviously, so that we can have different urines collected at different times. But, um, yeah, it all hinges on collection and how the farm itself handles the urine. And from there, what you use for your packaging determines what kind of quality you're going to have when you bust that thing out when you're ready to go to your stand. And that's where we really shine. We start with a great quality urine, like I said, that that is top-notch. And our packaging does a great job of keeping it that way until you're ready to pull that trigger. And so with these different farms, these different companies and different, you know, collection methods, etc., are there um, proprietary methods, proprietary deer or farms? Um, you know, so it's, I mean, deer have a finite life cycle. And so are, is there a better class of deer than, you know, I mean, I don't know that there's only one, you know, species of deer or, or whatever, but is there sure. better, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm trying I to say. I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, there definitely. Uh, 
deer health is a huge factor. You know, if you have a sickly deer that you're collecting urine from and you go to use that as a lure or as a scent attractant, a healthy deer in the wild is going to smell that and know there's an issue. They're going to know there's something wrong. They can smell an illness. You know, they, they're, their sense of smell is insane. Um, so our farm does an excellent job of keeping a very healthy herd, um, constantly uh, monitoring. You know, they have uh, um, veterinary staff that, that keep these deer healthy constantly, making sure they're in great shape. Um, and that's a big part of it. Okay. And so, you know, there's, uh, you know, I kind of gave my little anecdote um, as far as uh, what what I've done, you know, with, with your sense. But, uh, you know, when when I'm hunting the, hunting the rut, and I know Frank and Ernie, and um, I've, I've seen John uh, use sense as well during during the rub there's so many guys out there that will say you know all of this stuff any of these attractants you know urine any of this stuff is going to be pixie dust that you don't need that and it's just going to spook deer or you know it's going to do more harm than good you don't need that you just need to do your homework you know you need to uh play the wind and and that's all you need to do you don't need any of that stuff you're just throwing good money away um sure. you know how do you combat that sort of thinking that it's not just a, a marketing ploy well you don't give it too much weight <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly you know there those kind of there are plenty of guys out there that are that way and it's crazy how polarizing the use of sense is in itself you have a large crowd of guys that are just like you described you know i don't need that i play the wind you know i i'm a good hunter i study my deer i keep tabs and run trail cams plant food plots do all this stuff and it's funny because they're sitting there telling you what you don't need to do to kill deer while they're describing all the things they do that you don't need to do to kill deer you know? <laughs> so it's like you just kind of let them go and and don't give it too much weight you know a lot of the time those guys are the same ones using a range finding bull sight so it's just like it, it what we do uh our goal is to give the hunter an edge and there's no argument there you know i'm not i'm not in the business of trying to convince someone who doesn't use sense that they need to use sense um but what we do is offer a quality product for the guy that knows the value of a good scent okay yeah i think i don't know uh, the the further i get down this road of trying to locate target create a plan and kill big bucks um the more guys that i talk to do it in the early season uh, because the rut everything kind of goes out the window and you know these bucks are less patternable you know they can they're going to travel they're not going to be you know exactly where you expect them um, you know, so everything kind of changes for myself. Most of my successes come during the rut. A lot of these guys will say, I'm not a very good rut hunter for that reason. Myself, I say, well, I better during the rut because I don't, I didn't 
put in all this extra work and try and, you know, I mean, I'm trying to do that now, but to figure out where these deer are exactly bedded so you can go in and pick them off systematically. I just say that there's a good deer around here. There, there should be a good deer here. This is where the does are going to be in the rut. So this is where he should be. And for those cruising deer, for those deer that are actively seeking hot does, if you've got does and you've got scent out, I mean, to me, it seems like a no-brainer, and it's worked for me in the past. So I think it's kind of one of those, you know, tools in your toolbox, I guess. But on the other side of that is no matter what it is, whether it's if you, you know, don't tie your left boot, whatever is your good luck charm or like gives you a little bit more confidence. If you think that that's going to be the, the straw that broke the camel's back, that's, what's going to be that thing to bring him over that extra hundred yards or 50 yards or whatever. Um, you know, if it makes you more confident, then you should be using it anyways, because if you go out there and you're not confident, then what are you doing? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Um, you know, anything you can do to give yourself a better chance, gain a little confidence, it's not going to hurt. But, you know, as far as using scents, uh, that's one aspect, but the science is there. I mean, it's, it's how they breed, you know, <laughs> like this is, this is what drives these deer. The reason you see those bucks chasing is because they smell that doe and estrus. So it's really difficult for me to spend a lot of time arguing with somebody that is anti-scent because it's just like you know how do you have you ever had a dog that was in heat in your home in your home no no male dogs. when i was when i okay sure when i was growing up we had a weimer on her and she was a great dog and we intended to have her bred for puppies and she would come into heat and every damn dog for miles around would be in our yard harassing constantly and it's no different with a deer you know they can smell that a long way off science has proven that and it's just a it's a moot point to argue it in my mind uh, but there's still a large group of people out there that just don't you know have a drive to use sense and that's fine like personally i'm not a fan of mechanical broadheads i don't give a shit if you use them that's fine you know <laughs> like, if you're a fan of them that's awesome man if you're out in the woods hunting and using them good that's great so that's kind of the stance i take as far as that goes um but yeah it's it's uh the science just really drives what we do um it's it's hard to debate you know and then we have all these excellent videos uh off our trail cams of bucks just tearing down mock scrapes that we make with our sense you know um and if i can put out a camera and get a daytime picture of a good buck on a scent then I could have been sitting there and shot him, you know, like it's not really that much different. And so a matter of timing, you said that you'd done, um, a bunch of different research and research and trying to figure out what does spook deer and things like that. Um, can you go into a little bit of the, the testing and the, uh, everything that you guys kind of do to kind of debunk some of that stuff? Yeah, sure. Uh, some of that, uh, well, one of the, kind of common schools of thought is uh, not using estrus early. A lot of guys are really wary of putting that out even like mid to late October for fear that they're using estrus too early in the season. 
and then it's going to have a negative impact. And we haven't really seen any evidence of that at all. I mean, we we run estrus lures year-round on trail cams just to see what happens, and we get deer activity all times of the year. Obviously, it's hot and heavy in November, but we have not seen any evidence at all of any kind of spooking from any scent that we have. Um, it just, you know, deer are fickle creatures by nature. It's how they're alive. Um, so, you know, anything out of the ordinary is going to tip them off, and we don't have any evidence of that at all. Um, obviously, like I said, there are more effective times to use, but we don't we don't see much negativity, any negativity, um, as far as timing. And another another common school of thought is uh, dominant buck urine. Um, putting out dominant buck urine early, a lot of people will say that you might drive a doe into estrus and throw off the cycle and you know, it's just not, not something we've ever seen. Uh, never seen any sort of change in behavior from does off of a dominant buck scent. Um, so, you know, the, as far as our research goes, obviously we're, we're just a couple guys. So <laughs> there's a ton of, there's a ton of research to be done yet, but in our experience, uh, you know, we just haven't really seen any of the, any of the negativity that, that some folks are concerned with. Well, I think that's an awesome caveat to to be able to say, well, you know, that's just what we found. That doesn't. That's not the end all be all. Um, I think that really yeah. kind of, uh, you know, personifies kind of what you've been saying, right? Is that you're not in this to just make money. It's just something that you guys, you know, started doing, like as a family, and it, you know, it's just kind of grown into to something else and something that you guys even if wild carrot goes away, you're still going to be doing it because it's what you've always done and what you believe in um, yep. type thing. It's not, yep. it's not saying, well, ours is the best and you know, you can buy any of those other ones and it's not going to be, you know, no, you won't. Of course, I believe firmly that we make the best product, um, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't push that onto people. That's up to you to decide, you know, I, get yourself some and try it out and it sounds like in your case you probably agree <laughs> yeah but uh <laughs> but yeah it's you know it's not something we try i find in the industry that most of the time when people tell you this is the best thing out there that's the best thing out there that it just so happens that that's what they got for free so it's not always credible when you hear someone saying oh this is the absolute best thing you can get you know but when guys like you say, hey, man, I used it, shot this great buck. That's all we asked for, you know. Well, if, it, if, it make, if it makes your hunting experience positive, then that's a win for us. Well, and like our friend Scott, you know, Scott Spitzley, I'd seen him posting and reposting whatever things on Instagram, like for Wild Carrot. And uh, after I killed that buck, I just messaged him on Instagram, and I hadn't even met him before that or whatever, but I just seen it and I was like, Hey, do you do work for them? Or do you know this company? He's like, yeah, I do. I'm like, well, I just killed this buck with this stuff. Like, you know, who do I send the picture to? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Like for me. Yeah. And it, again, like even like, uh, I was talking to my brother this morning, telling him that I was going to be talking to you and he's like, you know, 
I remember you saying that last year. He's like, where can I get it or where is it available? Because it, I think that was another one of the things where if you're not familiar with the company and that that's a double-edged sword, right? Because there's the guys that are out there shoving things down your throat saying it's the greatest thing ever. And then there may be something else like this that you haven't heard of and the name doesn't scream, you know, you, you know, it's not uh, Buck Slayer 99 or, <laughs> you know, right, right. you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So it, it, it might not resonate. Yeah. Well, we intended not to come across as the hardcore badass. You know, <laughs> there's plenty, of, there's plenty of that. Uh, that's really not our market. Um and I think that's pretty well evidenced by the folks that we have great relationships with and, and uh, you know, just the community that, community that we're involved with. Um, just a lot of great people. And so how has the uh, CWD ban and the synthetics changed? I mean, so you guys went into this from a history of, you know, harvesting this stuff from deer that you've killed. Um and then how does that transition into like this very scientific world of trying to, I mean, I, I, and this is only me, you know, hypothesizing, right. But like, sure. there's gotta be, you know, I'm a pharmacist. There's a pharmacy background chemistry. Like there has to be the going into synthetics. It's not just like, well, this is kind of like that. I would have to imagine that there's a whole shit ton of chemistry that's going into trying to replicate something that to fool, you know, a deer's nose, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, to a certain degree, but you also have to remember that deer are super curious by nature. You know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of guys out there that promote pissing in scrapes, mm -hmm. that, like personally will urinate in a scrape and talk about how effective it is, how effective it can be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that mammal urine is very similar after a uh, degradation period of X amount of time. Uh, but what happens in that time is what we focus on. You know, if, if you're out there, let's say you go out, you're a guy that, that pees in your own scrapes, and that's how you make your mock scrapes. Well, as long as you're not immediately hunting over that thing, that's probably fine. But if you're wanting to make a scent drag or wanting to freshen a mock scrape and then sit it, that's not necessarily a great idea, and anyone who's ever had a huge glass of coffee and taken a leak can tell you why. <laughs> you know, anyone, if you've ever eaten asparagus and <laughs> taken a piss, then you know exactly why that's not a great idea. That scent will dissipate in, a, in an X amount of time, but how long that takes uh, is variable. Um, so there are too many unknowns in that for us. You know, we like to be a little more precise with our approach, use something natural. And uh, our synthetic is actually all natural as well. It's a synthetic deer urine, but it's an all natural product. And it's uh, proprietary. It's something we kind of were tinkering with and then stumbled into. Um, in essence, uh, it's a spinoff that, that came about uh, by means of a way that we were uh, storing and keeping our urine fresh. And that's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> well, it, what when you said it's a synthetic deer urine, it's that it's synthetic deer urine. All like, and this is just this is just stupid. But the only thing I can think of is like you got these deer that you're not supposed to be giving hormones. And now they got to take a piss test. 
and you're strapping this uh, synthetic piss on them so that they can pass the test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in the yep. human realm. <laughs> right. You're right. Uh, got well, lots. We've, we've, we've had good luck with our synthetic. You know, obviously, we are firm believers in our natural product, but that's not always uh, feasible for people in CWD band zones and whatnot. Uh, so we were tasked with coming up with something that was effective that would meet the criteria of those states. Um, and I think we did. Uh, I think we came out with something really great. I think it's very effective. So we're really looking forward to implementing that in the future. And uh, that offering is available now. And so, like, for guys like my brother, listeners that aren't familiar with uh, Wild Care, are you, is it available, like, in uh, stores or only online? Or where can where can they go and get some? We we sell direct on our website, wildcaretsense.com. Uh, we also sell on Amazon, and we are carried by Kinsey's, the distributor that supplies most of your archery shops. Okay. So most of your mom and pops, um, and uh, we actually have a deal going with Rural King right now, so hope we hope to be in Rural King soon. Um, it's kind of a long and arduous process, but uh, it's moving forward, so we're looking forward to that. But uh, I think right now we're happy with where we're at, and we're enjoying the support that we're offering to your small town uh, mom and pop archery shops you know it's products like ours um, we're basically like an artisan deer urine uh, and it's something that's available only in these small shops right now or direct through us so it gives you an incentive to seek these guys out you know you're not just going and spending your money at these big box stores you're spending your money in a small shop and it's going somewhere that's going to support a guy that wants to take his kids fishing this weekend, you know, or something like that. So it's, uh, it's something we're pretty proud of. We really enjoy that aspect. And that's kind of the foundation of who we are. You know, when you order a 10 pack of wild carrot scents, um, you're directly funding, you know, me taking my kids camping, you know, <laughs> me getting my kids outdoors, you know, and it, obviously that's great for selfish reasons, but, uh, it's it's personal it's something that means a lot to us you know it's not just a number on a sheet every order that that is shipped from wild carrot scents is packaged by one of three pairs of hands mine my father's or my mother's <laughs> so you know it, it's as personal as it gets um we like to kind of pride ourselves on that fact well that's i mean that's something that i didn't know that's you know that's really awesome um that's you know, it's it's hard. <laughs> I mean, you know, just doing what we do with the podcast and all of this and full-time jobs. I mean, that's why you're only talking to me because we're balancing real life and hunting and, you know. Heck yeah. And, and, yeah exactly, and man. That's, <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you struggle so hard to get me on this phone, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. But yeah, happy to do it. And, you know, I want to take a second Thank you for having me. I didn't say that earlier, but I really do appreciate it. Yeah, I, like I said, it, you know, it, it was literally like a month ago or something, like some big outfit pushing something who wanted to be on here um, to talk about, you know, some sense or something that they were trying to sell. And it's just like, you know, I talked to John and I talked to Frank and, you know, it was like that what we want to be about, you know, 
is big, big companies, big things. And it, that, that, that to me is not who, who we are. You know, we're just regular guy. I'm sitting here looking at Dora the Explorer and a princess phone and a princess house sitting in my basement, sure. drinking a Bud Light. Um, <laughs> You know? Now I'm sitting in my I'm sitting in my backyard next to my fire pit with a yingling right now. <laughs> you bastard! So I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> they don't have yingling does not distribute to Michigan, so I know. I know. <laughs> that, that's, that's too bad. That is too bad. But well, I frequent I frequent the state, so maybe I can bring you some next time. I'm yeah, I'm not that far from Hastings. I can tell you that right now. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. But uh, so give us a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe one of the stories from from the old days, you know, before Wild Carrot of uh, maybe like a memory like with your dad and, and harvesting some sure. tarsal glands and how it how you use them in like a success story or, or something like that. Sure. Well, I've grown up always uh, as a younger guy, hunted with my dad uh, and my grandpa, like I said. Um, well, some of the best memories I have are hunts that we had when I was a kid, whether it was going out west with my grandpa uh, on an elk hunt when I was 14 or uh, turkey hunting in Missouri when I was in middle school. Uh, I actually, when I was in middle school, I got called to the principal's office when I was in eighth grade because I missed 32 days of school going on hunting trips. <laughs> and I thought <laughs> I, thought I was going to be in trouble getting called down there. And I went down to the office, and uh, my, the principal said, you know, I heard you just got back from Colorado on an elk hunt. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, you got any pictures? <laughs> I, said, I said, I don't have on me, but I can bring some tomorrow. You know, we didn't have cell phones or pictures or anything like that back then, so just the Polaroids. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Dad harvesting those tarsal glands uh, from whitetails that he had killed um, and being right there with him and, and uh, seeing him, honestly, one of the things that spurred the packaging is seeing him harvest those glands and then going back to the cabin after we were butchering the deer and making lunch and smelling that shit on your hands and you're eating lunch. <laughs> that was kind of one of the one of the earliest memories I have of like we need to figure out a better way to do this. You know, like <laughs> this this is not good to have on your hands. So that's kind of one of the things that brought about the packaging and the ease of use and, and uh, the cleanliness, you know, those single use packages, basically they come in a, a resealable pouch. The 10 pack does so that what I do is, is dump the contents out into my hunting pack, those single use packs. And then uh, I have that resealable pouch that I'll put the trash back in when I'm done with my hunt, throw the used lures in there, zip it up, put it back in my pack and it keeps the used lure from getting contamination into my bag. Okay. So that's that's a kind of a memory and and a segue into where we are. But yeah, just uh, a lot of stories like that, man. Uh, I remember hunting with my dad um, at I was probably, oh, geez, I don't know, I might have been like nine years old, and we didn't have a lot of money at the time, and we were hunting public land, uh, and we he didn't even have a tree stand, and he found a tree with a great big crotch and about 12 feet up with a hollow in it and, and getting up there climbing up in a tree and having nothing you know just like looking at the industry now and looking at the hunts we went on back then and, and it's just like uh that's the stuff i like 
you know, those memories are the things I like. Like you said, regular guys, you know, not, I love great gear, but not decked out in $2,500 worth of gear to hunt, you know, probably wearing blue jeans, you know, <laughs> sitting in a tree. Uh, just, just good memories of simple hunts as a kid, not always successful, you know, but that's, that's hunting. Just, just seeing it for what it was at an early age just helped kind of make me into who I am. Yeah. A lot of that reminds me of, of Frank, you know, he told, he told that story on the podcast of shooting a buck at 50 yards, sitting on a limb and the people <laughs> watching it, you know, from the road in a Buick and they drove the Buick right out into the field. <laughs> right. Next right, to him. right. And, yep. uh, but you know, yesterday we we're butchering that deer and the bladder was still in there when we hung it up. And uh, he's like, "Here, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep that." My brother's like, "What are you gonna do with that?" <laughs> Went and got a a butter bowl out of the recycle and poured it in there. And he's like, "Smell that! It doesn't smell as bad as you think it would." Puts no, not when it's fresh. No, yeah. put it right in my brother's <laughs> right right in his face. <laughs> yeah, that's the best, man, and that's the best. And if you can figure out how to how to store that and keep that fresh that way and make it convenient to use, you've got something. That's that's kind of where we feel like we are. Yeah. You, you know anybody that can help us out with that? <laughs> What's that? I said, you know anybody that can help us out with that? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I actually happen to know somebody that already helped you out with it. You just had to be patient on the mail. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so what do you got going on this season? Are you going to be able to – that's one thing that we found – and I can tell you, you know, from talking to you last year at ATA when you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be here next year or uh, tomorrow or, you know, we were a day late either way because you were going to hunt a lease or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, what do you got planned? We've we've met a lot of people like throughout the industry and talked to a lot of product guys and stuff like that. And it seems like the more people that own companies and do stuff like that, the less they get to hunt because of all the stuff that goes into it and this being the busy time, right? Yeah, it's hard, man. It is. It's like uh, you, you know, you get into the industry because you love to hunt and you want to sort of amplify that lifestyle and do it as much as you can. And it, you realize once you're in that it's, it's hard. It's hard to make time to actually go and do it because the business end of things can consume you. But it's something that we're, we're very intentional on doing, you know, we, uh, we don't miss, we don't miss hunting. I mean, we we're out there, you know, we make sure that that's sort of the fuel that drives us. And without the actual hunting, you lose focus, you lose sight of what's important. So it's very important to us to spend as much time as we can in the woods. So yeah, I'm doing a, a good bit of hunting this season. Um, uh, I had planned on doing an archery elk hunt, um, this this past mid-September in Colorado, uh, my grandparents have a little cabin out there, and they go out every year uh, still elk hunting. My grandma and grandpa both, you know, she uh, was successful on a cow last year, and, and uh, uh, they're just great hunters, man, and, and it was a blessing to be able to watch and learn and just be a part of that as a kid and as an adult, and I'm really looking forward, was really looking forward to doing that, but my grandpa was uh, diagnosed with cancer um, in the spring, so uh, he's not doing so great. Um, and 
it just wasn't an option to all be out there together. So I wasn't going to go. Uh, and, and we're looking at the potential of possibly a late October, late this month, mule deer hunt. Uh, if he's in shape, if he's feeling up to it, then I'll be out there. Um, but if he's not, then I'll be in Michigan, which is where he lives, and I'll be taking him whitetail hunting. So I'm looking forward to either one of those things. Yeah, that's tough. Um, you know, you know, it's a, a terrible thing for uh, for anybody, but you know, when you've got someone who's so used to being able to go out in the woods and go, and it's such a big part of their life, and then you know that gets taken away from them in any way shape or form and it's you know that's the one thing that you know kind of brings you all together that's the that that's the worst so I, I definitely i feel for you man and we you know wish him the best for sure uh, well i really appreciate that man it's it is it's it's no fun but it's uh, uh it's important for me to not get too caught up in that and to instead focus on making the most of what we got so exactly that's what we're that's what we're trying to do you know we've spent a lot of time over this past summer going uh, back and forth from our home here in tennessee up to michigan and taking the kids up there and and catching some bluegill with grandpa and just spending some time and and doing anything we can outside i was actually uh this past spring shortly after the diagnosis i was able to swing through there on my way home from a wisconsin turkey hunt with uh, the breaking point fellows um, swung through Michigan on my way home and, and got to go out in the turkey woods with grandpa again and find some morels and, and uh, just enjoy that, man. We didn't get on a bird, but I didn't care. It didn't matter. We uh, caught a few fish, found some morels, and ate like kings. Just enjoyed ourselves. Yeah, and it, you know, that's one of the things that we push here pretty hard is, you know, well, hell, you can see from the, the deer that I just harvested, you know, it's more about the experience and being out there and, and being able to share it with somebody because you can, like we say it all the time, but, you know, you can kill all the 150 inch deer that you want to, but if you don't have anybody to share it with, if you don't have that, you know, right. yeah. you know, if you, if you want to paint yourself in a corner and, and, and not be able to share it, not be with your family and, you know, be able to hang out and share and laugh and, and all of that. I mean, our turkey season was, you could, you could argue that it was either the best season or the worst season. Um, but it was definitely the, probably the most fun season that any of us have had, um, because of all the times that we screwed up this year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's exactly that. So <laughs> you got somebody to share it with. So yeah, yeah. those it's, you know, I, I got a really good, close group of friends around us and you know our mantra is pretty much just making memories and you know that's that's what happens good bad or indifferent it's like you you know is it memorable yep well that's just making that's memories. it man that's so, it man it's easy especially if you're involved in the industry at all it's all too easy to get sucked into that boner mentality you know where you feel like you can't shoot anything that's not four years old at least you know it's just uh it's too easy to fall into that trap and there's so much pressure on social media and stuff and i don't even think it's all intentional it just comes across as like if you want to be a good hunter you got to do xyz and it's 
you know it's it's too hard it's too easy to fall into that trap you know the real deal is just getting out there being in the woods and that's something that i came to terms with over the last year uh pretty hard you know my mentality for hunting now i try to involve my kids i try to look at it like i'm taking a walk in the woods if i happen to see a deer hell yeah if not that's okay you know it's uh it's more about the time spent it's more about enjoying creation and just hanging out outside man you know it's uh it's a dying thing in our society so it's it's crucial to, to make the most of that time oh that's a 100 percent. you know like we cut up that deer yesterday and my daughter's you know she's four now and she's saying you know when are we gonna have some venison daddy <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you know her cousin's there sounds like me. sounds like soon yeah that her uh <laughs> You know, her cousin is saying, oh, my gosh, you know, because of the CWD. Like, that deer doesn't even have a head. And <laughs> she's going, she's going, that's not for girls. And my, my daughter's looking at her and she goes, well, kind of sometimes it is. <laughs> it's just like a whole right. different, whole different dichotomy. Last year, you know, she was, we were eating roadkill and my daughter was cutting up back straps with a butter knife asking for a sharper knife. So right. it's like. It's all about what they see and what you can expose them to. And, you know, we hope that, you know, you and I, when, you know, we're, we're grandparents and, you know, that our, our grandkids want to come up and, you know, cut up deer and go turkey hunting and do a little bluegill fishing. So, I mean, it's all about starting that next generation right now and I'm doing my best and uh, it certainly sounds like you are too. And, getting them involved in, you know, the hunting, fishing, but, you know, both of us have, you know, kind of a, a kind of way into, or a, you know, for me, it's just a, a little bit of a peephole or whatever into the hunting industry. And, you know, you talk about that next generation, you know, we could be bashing on other hunters and saying, you can't shoot that. and, and all sorts of different things. Or, you know, I can hand my daughter a butter knife and say, look what we got. And, right. You know, exactly. look at all the, look at all the steaks and all the venison and all the chili and everything that we're going to have from this. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a definite double-edged sword. If you want to be famous or you want to be, um, you know, so narcissistic that you want everybody just to look at everything that you've done. Well, that, that doesn't bode well for the next generation. <laughs> no, and I think you got to be active in making sure that doesn't happen. I think if you're not, then it's easy to slide into that, you right. know, where where everything hinges on your success being nothing more than the, the score of your buck, you know. And that's, that's no good, right. in, my, in my opinion. That's no good at all, man. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Well, if you, if you want to go out, and shoot something that you're happy with and eat it, do it. That's all there is to it, man. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with setting goals for yourself. and But it's I think it's how you um, portray that to, to other people. And, um, you know, I think with, you know, kind of what you said about the way that you guys are, are running the business and the way that you view everything over there at Wild Carrot while you're, you know, adamant that 
you guys have the best packaging, the best process, and the best product out there, it doesn't really matter. You know, if if you you want people to use your stuff, but you're not going to go around bashing other people and and saying that, and, and I think that's a real testament to you know you as a person and your family and in the business itself. So, you know, I just really appreciate you know that view that viewpoint being able to you know still be active in the industry promote a product and be you know have some be the humble or you know not be an asshole i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure for sure man yeah but, that's exactly right that's the truth but yeah i mean yeah, i really i appreciate that for sure and i'm not i don't mean to say that uh you know, a 150 inch deer doesn't get my heart pumping so bad I can't even chew because it does. You know, it gets me excited for sure. But the important thing is to be just as excited about a, a nice little eight point or seven point, you know, any whatever it is. If it's a, let's say you just started hunting with a traditional bow and a spike walks in, you know, if you get a clean kill on him, then damn, that's a trophy, you know. <laughs> oh, you know, one of, one of our listeners, you know, I met him. We went and sat down at one of the the Renella podcasts, and um, I, I talked to this guy, and like we go back and forth, and you know he went, he was asking me about this spot, and we kind of talked back and forth. And he said I went and checked out, checked it out, and he said there was a cute little six point and a a, a doe, you know, when you walked in there to do some scouting, and I was like, well, what are your goals? And he said, I just want to kill something ethically and cleanly with a traditional bow. And I'm like, dude, if you kill that six point with a traditional bow, that is a feat. You know, that's, that's a, that's a, an amazing thing. So, you know, I think. Or even, even for a lot of guys, you know, there are a lot of hunters out there that are new to the sport or that have been putting in a lot of time and haven't been successful for even with a compounder rifle, if you kill a buck like that, you know, then that's still a trophy. Oh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, we, you know, we, we aren't, we're not rifle hunters over here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 you know, we have, we've all killed deer with a, with a rifle and, you know, just the, it, it, it's that same thing, you know, I mean, and I, I struggled with it a little bit last year or the year before one of the, one of the two, but the more I learned about deer hunting and, um, trying to figure these animals out and you know i i had to say like man i'm kind of handicapping myself because if i went out in gun season i'd have a whole you know another opportunity and then like i get smacked in the face with yeah there's 10 million other guys out there with rifles and uh right. you you grew up in michigan so you know what it's like um gun season around here it's not yeah uh, they call it the orange army for a reason yeah nothing <laughs> nothing i want to go out into but, um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, with, with a bow, any harvest is, uh, is a trophy and that's the, the problem is, and it, it's problem or, or not, you know, there's people that don't want to post their stuff on, on social media because it's not big enough. It doesn't meet the 140 inch standard, you know, um, you know, there's, people that shoot something and there's that whole ground shrinkage and you know that that's not a new term but the the social media says it doesn't matter and it's the the internet warrior who says 
who hides behind, you know, whatever. And we'll say, well, should have given him another year. Should have did this. Should have did that. You know, I kind of have a problem with with these people that say, you know, I could have shot a buck like that. I could have shot a hundred bucks like that. You know, like the one that I shot, right? But sure. until you've done it, and I mean, like for me personally, I've coined myself the world's worst bow hunter. Uh, <laughs> like I've messed up on so many deer that I know like exactly all the things that can go wrong on that hundred percent, you know, no brainer slam dunk 20 right. yard shot. And, you know, I, to I, say I, that, that you, you, oh, I could have killed him. Well, you didn't. So, you know, it might not have panned out the way that you, <laughs> that you thought. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, some of my most memorable hunts, um, are hunts where I've had deer come in close and I never took a shot. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, some of the greatest moments in the woods are having a, uh, you know, two-year-old six or whatever it might be come cruising through right under your stand and knowing that you can jump out of there with a knife and get him. <laughs> just, you know, just watching. And, and there's something to that feeling of knowing that you're there and he doesn't know it. You know, it's that's just memorable. Yeah. It can be just as much fun as taking a bar. It's, and it's, whatever, you know, there's so many different degrees of success and, and my success and your success might not be the same and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but the thing is, is like, what's funny is I've said the exact same thing. Like there's nothing cooler to me than not even picking my bow up and just sitting and watching them and them being just completely oblivious. Um, Right. You know, because you're you're kind of like at the peak. You're 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 like at the pinnacle, right? You you've decided, you know, you know not to not to kill him, or to, in my case, just fling an arrow at him and pray that you didn't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but but yeah, and I think that there's so much pressure, it, un unnecessary, right? There's, I mean, there's so many guys out there and, you know, guys that we talk to regularly, um, you know, that we've just met through the podcast that, you know, have questions or haven't killed a lot of deer or, or, or you know, they want to just kill this big buck, but they don't know what to do or how to do it. And, um, we don't know either. I mean, we, we kill deer all day long. That's, but it's not, it's not like we're out there chasing 140s every day you know we're right you know frank's at at his level where he's just going to kill buck buck whatever um you know and i'm i'm still learning every day every every podcast every person that i talk to you know i'm picking their brain trying to learn something and, and then pass that along to the listener because you know if you think that you're the best hunter that you know you're gonna outsmart these deer every day i mean they're they have like two jobs in life and one of them is to stay alive and so they got a lot of time to focus on not dying right 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 so unless you have that amount of time to kill that one animal then i think you know there there's still there's still work to be done there but that like i say that's why i wanted to have you on here and talk a little bit of tactics and you know talk about using sense using sense effectively 
And, you know, for those guys that are looking for, you know, maybe their, their first buck harvest, maybe, you know, they always see them, but they're not able to, to, to close the deal or, or whatever. Um, you know, I just wanted to have you on here and kind of go through the use of sense and stuff like that. So I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time, you know, with it being in the season and with family and everything, you know, everything that's going on. You know, I really appreciate it, Josh. And, and, uh, and thanks so much. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I really enjoy what you guys do. I think you're a, you're a good voice in the industry, man. I think your approach is solid. And I, I, I really like, you know, your mindset. I think it's where it should be. Well, I, I really appreciate that. You know, this is, you know, before the podcast, this is who we were and what we do anyway. So now I just get to talk to cool people about stuff that I'm interested in. And it's, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I get it? to, I get to share it with other people. Um, and so if people have questions or anything like that, how can they get in touch with you or, uh, uh you know, we're on Instagram or Facebook wild care deer attractant, um, wild carrot sense. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook or Instagram is wild carrot. Josh, uh, get on there, shoot us a message, go to our website, uh, shoot us an email, uh, several routes of contact and we'll answer any of them and help you out the best we can. Well, awesome. Good luck to you this season, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to make it back out to uh, Colorado with your grandpa there for the mule deer hunt. But, uh, you know, next time you swing through Michigan, get a hold of me, and uh, I'll pick up that yingling, huh? I'll do it, man. <laughs> I'll do it. And I really appreciate you having me on. Yep. No problem. Thanks, Josh. Yep. We'll see you. Sit down. Sit down.